Well, I am not Greg Spires, but Greg is away. He has a little bit more hair than I do. And uh, he and his wife are enjoying their 20th anniversary on a trip down south, and um, they are being refreshed and enjoying that. I am jealous. I would love to be down there as well, but they're having a wonderful time. As we jump into the passage this morning and take a look at what God has for us this morning, as I was praying, I want to kind of encourage you, uh, if you are here this morning, um, there are a lot of things that have come across to our heart uh, throughout the week. Uh, even this morning as we're coming in, as we're coming to this place, uh, there's a lot of things that came across to you. Your mind is, is full of um, whatever, and that whatever can be a burden. Uh, it can also be a joy. Um, whatever is on your heart this morning, I want you to think about this. Do you believe that Jesus is big enough to handle whatever is on your heart and your mind this morning? Because if we can answer that this morning, because that's our ultimate goal as we go through the text here, we have to get the part of Jesus right, because the rest of this will just be um, something that you'll just kind of check off a box. But if we get Jesus right, then you will experience and have an encounter with him this morning like no other, especially in the topic that we're going to be looking at this morning. So as I share with you this morning, the big idea that we're trying to get to is that Paul has shown us two examples of mutual submission. Jesus Christ's church, mutual submission, and the husband and wife, mutual submission, so that the believer will desire to love others in the manner of being like Jesus Christ, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But before we get there, I want to share a little snapshot of my family I don't know how many of you guys have had the experience or the opportunity to go on this type of an adventure, but one of the things that we really enjoy doing is going out to find a Christmas tree out in the woods, all right? And I uh, you know it's really easy to go to a Christmas tree lot and walk across the lot and go, hey, there is the perfect tree. It takes a little bit to go out in the woods because you have to get the tree permit, you got to make sure you have your saw. And if it snowed, you got to be ready for it. But unfortunately, the year that we did this, um, it didn't snow, but we were all bundled up. And by the time we got up there, it was like 60 degrees. <laughs> and we had our hot chocolate, and somehow we came back with the hot chocolate. We just didn't have the hot chocolate, you know. We were wishing we had something nice and cool and refreshing. But as any of our adventures in our family, um, as the husband... Uh, it, it's just, it just comes natural for me uh, that I just kind of lead in some areas. And, uh, <laughs> and one of the things I like to do is just make sure the car is packed and, and ready and has the tools it needs in case we get stuck or broken down and make sure we have the saw. And uh, while the rest of the family is, you know, focusing on other things, trying to get their stuff together, and then, oh, yeah, we decided to take the dog with us. Okay? So that brings a whole new level of adventure when you bring a dog with you out to the woods. And um, so we got everything packed up. We get out there, and uh, probably the hardest part about tree hunting in the woods is where to find it. So we're just driving around all over the place, and you get this map from the BLM, you know, when you buy your tree permit. And I'm the only one that can kind of understand what's going on with that because I kind of hold it up and go, well, 
that road kind of bends that way a little bit, and, and then that opening's right there, and, and it looks like this part may be green, because when you walk out there, believe it or not, the ground's not green, you know, because on the map it shows you where you can cut and can't cut, and uh, so you got to be careful you're not in somebody's private land, and you're kind of like, well, maybe this is kind of the green area, so let's go here. So get everybody out of the car, we're walking and kind of going through the woods and everything, and I'm marching ahead. I don't know how many men can relate to this, but just kind of marching ahead. And my family back behind me is like, where are we going, Dad? And then the dog, you know, and, and Lorna's just kind of, you know, going along with it. And, uh, but the problem is the train had lots of briars. And it was the kind of that just grows low on the ground, and, and it's kind of grabbing up on their shoes. And, and, and the dog, all right, the dog is having the hardest time because it's all, it just like, looks like it's just stuck in these weeds, you know, and, and it's getting in the eyes and everything, and all of a sudden, Lauren's like picking it up and kind of going over the rocks and logs, and, and the boys are like, have you found it yet? I'm like, nope, I haven't found it yet, and, and I'm just like looking back at my family going, they're dying on me. Because <laughs> I keep on going, keep on going ahead, and we go through some really dense brushed area, and they kind of walk through, and you ever had that experience where uh, somebody walks in front of you and they pull a branch? And they leave. Yeah, a lot of that was going on. And uh, that was happening to the dog at the same time. And I got to the point where I looked back and I'm like, my family's not coming. I couldn't hear them. They weren't asking anymore. Dad, where are we going? And it was that moment of like, oh, no. I'm not being a good leader. I've left behind wasn't worried about the dog, wasn't worried about Lorna climbing over the rocks and the trees. I should be back there like helping her, you know, and helping with the dog and helping with the kids. And then finally we had a little powwow. We got together and regrouped and uh, realized that this tree adventure is becoming a whole different kind of adventure. <laughs> and it was almost like a veto adventure. And they were ready to give up on me. And so we regrouped, and uh, hey, let's kind of look at this area over here. And we went to another area that was a little bit more open, and you can kind of see where we're going, and less briars and less bushes and stuff. And uh, this time, instead of marching ahead with my saw and my awesome Carhartt outfit, um, <laughs> I have to tell you, this is the only kind of hunting that I've been able to do in my life. <laughs> the rest of you guys out there hunting, you're like, oh, that's nothing. But I felt pretty good. I felt pretty manly. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and we found an opening, and, and then the sky broke open again. You know, it was a little bit cloudy. The sky opened, and the sun was shining down in this perfect tree, and it was singing out to us. No, just kidding. But uh, we did find the tree because we just did it together. And uh, I made sure I didn't march ahead and was kind of helping with the dog, helping with Lorna, and making sure the boys were kind of looking around. And uh, we finally found this tree. But I'm thinking, Blake, this, I think this was the year that we found the tree, but we brought it back. No, it was a different experience. Anyways, there was one time when we uh, brought a tree back, and it just wouldn't fit right in the stand. And so, you know, you get to that situation where you're kind of hacking a little bit and try it again, and hacking a little bit, try it again. And all of a sudden, it looks like a Charlie Brown tree. <laughs> this adventure... I don't know how many of you guys have ever had that experience. You know, tree hunting is definitely an adventure. But I share that story with you because a couple of things that come out of it in that scene is that 
in, in many adventures like this, we deal with the tension of the broken self. There, there's a moment of just this, I want to go find the tree. I want to find the best tree. I want to make sure we, we have the right tools. I want to I be able to lead. I want to be able to show my family that I know where I'm going, that I can read the map and make sure that we get in the right place and then we can get out. And, and, and there's just a, a rush in this type of an adventure for a guy to uh, get all that right. But in that tension of selfishness, it also distorts my ability to love and respect and take care of those that I care for, and it makes it hard to put myself under that situation, especially like how Jesus Christ did. So in a little adventure like that, or any kind of adventure that we have with our family, uh, we see that our brokenness, our, our bentness, our, and our selfishness arises in these tensions. And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning, of what that looks like under Christ's submission. A couple questions. How important is it for you to put yourself under others as Jesus Christ did? Do you sense this tension in your own life? Well, I have good news for you this morning. Jesus Christ wants to rescue you from your selfish heart and transform your heart to his heart. It's a beautiful thing. Lord, we pray this morning again. We come before you this morning. That God, we will allow that to happen. We recognize that we are bent and broken. We recognize that we live in this tension. On this side of heaven, we still have uh, ourself. And we need your help this morning to see what that looks like in submission like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Two examples that Paul has given us about mutual submission. Jesus Christ and the church mutual submission and the wife and husband mutual submission so that the believer will desire to love others in the matter of being like Jesus Christ. So as so we take a look at the passage, look at verse 21 as we start. 21 is the, uh, I call it like the hinge pin of the uh, passage uh, where Greg has taken us. He took us to 21 on Sunday, but it's also kind of a passing on to where we want to go now because it's really important for us to look at what the main point of what Paul's getting to here. In verse 21, it says, submitting to one another out of reverence of the Lord, of Jesus Christ. And this submission then, Paul was pointing to Jesus Christ. Look at Jesus Christ and how he submits to God the Father and to the Holy Spirit. It is really a, a beautiful thing. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the Trinity. None of them are in fear with each other, but they operate in a way that there is humility and submission that takes place out of reverence. Paul's main point in submission is the Holy Spirit fills in verse 18. You see that in verse 18 from last Sunday. The believer's heart with Christ's likeness. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit pours within us the likeness of Jesus Christ. So therefore, you will have a desire to be like Christ. I love that because that desire does not come from us. You may have good intentions, you might have great disciplines, you might be really good at changing your behavior, but I have to ask the question, how's that going for you? 
it doesn't go really well. We can get a good long run with it, but there's times where it, it crash and it burns and we find ourselves right back to our old self. That's why I love the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working on you and transforming you into a likeness of Christ, pouring Christ into you to that you have the mind of Christ, that you have the desires of Jesus Christ. You have a, a missional purpose in your life. The old self dies, the new self through salvation and trials of sanctification. I have to pause for a minute, clarify that. Trials of sanctification. Really important for us to understand as we go this morning together. Um, you're not perfect. Tell yourself that you're not perfect. Even your perfect self that says, hey, you got it all together. You don't have it all together. You are being sanctified. The reason why we know that is because we still have shame. We still have guilt that haunts us, terrifies us. The trials of sanctification are real and evident. Christ grows in us a new affection to serve, to care, and love one another. This affection grows as you rehearse the gospel to yourself daily. Let's take a look at the old self for a minute. We'll only be here for just a little bit, okay, because it's not a fun one. The problem in all of our relationships is me. Not Jeff Breitler, but me. You as me. You have a me. Uh, Paul Tripp does a really good job of putting a terminology to this. He calls it meistic. Each and every one of us, we are meistic. And boy, you can just look around and see that. <laughs> Random fact here. In case you're in a trivia situation. Um, what is the number one thing that's increased in the Medicare kind of uh, growth income? Plastic surgery. Dermatologists are doing great right now. And the only reason why they can think what's going on there is, well, first of all, the technology allows for it. But the other part is, we've got a lot of selfies going on. And boy, I tell you what, if you can kind of, you know... <laughs> Update the body a little bit. Your selfie will look really great. Or meistic focused. The problem in all of our relationships is that I'm the problem. My sinful heart, sin is pervasive, stubble, deceptive, deadly. Because of sin as a person, our viewpoint in all relationships with each other is distorted. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. You can see why our relationships are distorted. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince, the power of the world, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We see the problem. We're dead in our trespasses. We've trespassed against God's laws. 
That's what that means. I don't know if you've ever trespassed on property or uh, against people, um, but you broke the law. If they put a sign up and said, don't go there, you went there, you broke the law. We've trespassed against God's laws. And he put those laws in place to reveal to us that we are a mess, that we need rescuing, that we need Jesus Christ, and this is you and your brokenness. Following the desires of the world, a spirit of disobedience, passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and we're by nature children of wrath. This is the old self. This is your brokenness, and this is what Jesus Christ came to die for. But here comes the good news. Like I said, we're only going to be there for a moment. But here's the good news. The new self continues on. Christ had died for us. He stood in our place before God's judgment seat. He has borne our sins. God has done something on the cross which we could never do for ourselves. But God does something to us as well as for through the cross. He persuades us that he loves us. His love and mercy draws us to him. And that's a quote by Ferguson. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 there. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we're dead and our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you were saved. It is Jesus Christ's submission that draws us to God's rich mercy and great love. Do you see it? It is his submission that draws us to God's great love and mercy. His willingness to die for us. He had all the power in the world to come off that cross and wipe out everybody that was right in front of him. I tell you what, that's one of the things that grabbed my attention as a middle schooler when I finally came to the point of repenting and believing that Jesus Christ, what he's done for me, was that he stayed on the cross. And that grabbed me in the moment of my life and my great rebellion. There is no way there is no way that anybody can change my mind about my rebellion. But Jesus Christ chose it because he chose not to rebel because of love. And I saw it in that moment. As a middle schooler, I was like, Jesus, why didn't you come down? Why didn't you come off the cross? In fact, you didn't even have to come off the cross. You could just wink your eye and all of a sudden people are vanished. He had all the power. mission, his love, his humility, he went to the cross. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 11. How do we know this is true? How do we know that a man named Jesus Christ did something like this? How do we know that he mutually submitted himself? Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 11. I'm going to pick it up right around um, verse 5. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness and being found in the human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you see it? Do you see his great submission? Submission to encourage, to love, and sympathy towards people. His humility, his ability to empty himself. This is what just really messes with all of our minds, is that he was 100% God, but he was also 100% human. And so he emptied himself and became a man. A fleshly man. A man with temptation. A man with thoughts, like we have. Human thoughts. He was human. He had hair. He had all of our little silly things and quirks that we have. Emptied himself, became that in likeness of men. Jesus' submission, obeying God to even death on the cross for those who do not deserve it. As you hear these words this morning, do you sense Jesus' great love for you? Do you see God's great mercy for you? The old self dies and the new self through salvation. Trials of sanctification. Changing you. This is how Christ, Jesus, mutually submitted. And his submission grows in the believer's. So in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 2 there, so there is, there's any encouragement in Christ, in this case, his submission, a comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection, sympathy, complete my joy by being the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. It's a beautiful thing. So as we're encouraged to be like-minded, we can now see how the church then, because of this great love, will have a new desire, will have a new purpose, will have a, 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 a movement in the heart to come under the submission as well. The church. Jesus Christ and the church, mutual submission. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5. As we look at some of the verses there, 23 through 24 and 25, 27, and 32, we see these themes come out, and here they are. Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself Savior. The church submits to Christ. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot, or wrinkle or any such thing and that she might be holy and without blemish. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. 
As Paul continues on these themes, we see a beautiful relationship where God's people, or Jesus Christ, the body of Christ is called church and comes under the same like-mindedness, the same mind of Christ and coming under to submit so that when we come to gather in a place like this, we offer love. We offer encouragement. And here's, here's the best one. And it's the hardest one because we don't want to admit it. I know I struggle with this too. We come here knowing that we're all messed up. <laughs> and there's nothing to hide. So when you come and talk to Jeff Breiler and I talk to you, uh, we don't need to beat around the bush. I know it's been hard. Even though you have had some joys and some great things going on, but I know underneath there is a battle of darkness and sin that we all share. And Christ Jesus showed us what that looks like, how he handles that. He comes under submission with love and mercy, so therefore the church follows the same. As Paul continues with the theme of Jesus Christ-like submission, we see it show up in the relationships of Jesus Christ to his church. Jesus models the role of being the head of the church and not inferior actions. You don't see Jesus going around saying, hey, you idiot. Hey, try harder, do better. You don't see abuse. You don't see Jesus saying, if you don't live this way, well then I need to line you up and, and we're going to take you out. You don't see Jesus holding up sign for certain preferences. There's no inferiority to this. There is love and mercy, acceptance, sympathy, genuine care. Man, wouldn't that be amazing? And I see that here from, I do, I see it in ways I interact with many of you. You're such an encouragement, especially as we've gone through the passing of my father going into glory. Thank you. I'll try to keep it together here. <laughs> but thank you. For those that didn't even know him, you just came out, I, 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 you know, you, you didn't even know him. But because we are connected in Jesus Christ, you had great sympathy to come to encourage, to lift up. And I hope you see as we look at this, the, the model of elevating one another up to Jesus Christ is our crucial role as a church in all relationships. And you've done that with me. You've done that with my family and with my mom. God shows us Jesus Christ so that we have this submission, mutual relationship. Well, look at the church, just like Jesus Christ. Gave us as a living sacrifice. He himself is Savior to save the lost. He sanctifies to make the church look glorious. I love this because there are times when we come in here, we don't look glorious. <laughs> right? You guys agree? I mean... I mean, we are like sometimes just dragging in here going, you know, it's another Sunday. You don't realize what I just went through. 
You know, if any parents in here have kids that have brought children here, you're like, it's not a very glorious morning. But thank the Lord that God takes care of that. He presents the church to God as splendor, holy. Also found in 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 through 10. We won't look at that, but uh, really quickly to highlight a few things that come out of that. Royal priesthood, holy nation, a people of his own possession. That's you, the church. Holy, pure, splendor, a holy nation, a holy people. And I'm sure some of you are sitting there going, is that true? It is. No, 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 no. You don't realize what I've said this week. You don't realize what, how I've acted this week. You don't realize how I've treated people this week. Yeah, holy, splendor, priesthood. Well, of course, not because of you, but because of what Jesus Christ and his submission and how we submit and come under, we are splendor. Does reading and hearing this give you the desire to believe in Jesus Christ and his lowliness and his costly love? Look at verse 24 of Ephesians chapter 5. Now as the church submits, the church is to come under Jesus' love in his headship. The good news here is because of the costly love of Jesus, the church is to enter to the love of Jesus through submission by... So I want to be very careful here for some of us that are kind of naturally legalistic in some ways. We just... You know, we just want to keep things in order and kind of check our boxes off. But this is not a check off your box and, and do better and try harder kind of thing. This is what's going to come out like a, a flowing out. I call it the outflow of the work of Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, and God in your life. There's going to be gratitude that comes out. And you know this. You know this because it catches you by a surprise. You're like, where did that come from? I'm just gratitude, thankful for something that I'm really not thankful for. But it's just coming out. Obedience. How about those situations where you've participated in obedience, but you're like, I don't like this. And I don't want to obey. That person's not very nice. <laughs> that person's not very lovable. But it's coming out the way of reverence, looking up to, to love so great, so heavenly, so perfect, so divine. You find yourselves looking, you're, you're looking up to Jesus. The way of respect, all of a sudden respect is flowing out, yielding your whole heart. And the way of imitation, there's an imitation of Christ coming out of you quick story on that. I remember working at a pizza place in high school. We had this gentleman coming in every Tuesday night. He had a wheelchair and he came in and as soon as he rolled in, we knew what to make him. It was the same thing all the time. It was a mini pepperoni pizza. And he had an inside joke that today I still don't get. Um, but he said, uh, pizza sunny side up. I'm like, I still don't get that. 
so help me, okay, if anybody can understand what that means. I'm like, well, pepperoni is pepperoni. I mean, does it have a side? Is there a side that's sunnier? I think it's just yummy. Um, anyways, I, I would make the pizza and bring it out to him. And, and one time as I brought it out to him and started to turn away, he grabbed my arm like, oh, space. <laughs> He's like, hey, hey, I got, I got a question for you. I said, yeah. He said, what is it? What's, what is it about you? Well, what do you mean? You're different. <laughs> kind of idea where he was going. Okay, well, time to say I'm a Christian. You ever have that moment? You're like, okay, here we go. Yeah, um, maybe because I'm a Christian. He's like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I said, how? How did you know it? I, I'm having a horrible evening. Just before that, I went across with a tray of cups, and they hit a wet spot, and I went up. So the cups, the cups went up in the air, and every cup came down. And they're like the plastic cup, so it's the one that just sits there all the way to the end. Rattle, 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 rattle. <laughs> and I laid on my back, and I'd stay there for a little while, because I didn't want to come up. Because I know that the whole restaurant heard it, laying there going, oh, please, 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 please. Nobody clapped. Hair. I get up and they all clap. Uh, the rest of the night was horrible. I wasn't sure if I cussed at all, but uh, uh, it was a rough night. And, and he grabs my arm and he goes, I knew it. I knew you were a Christian. I, that's on the Lord. Imitation of Christ, being missional to others, reveals who we are in the submission. So here's an example of our church here at FBC. Just really quick, this comes, comes out of our, uh, what we believe. We believe that the universal church of Christ is living, spiritual body of which Christ is the head and of which all regenerated people are members. We believe that the local church is a community of believers in Jesus Christ who have shared their profession of faith and voluntarily associated with worship work and fellowship. We believe that the ordinance of baptism and the Lord's Supper are taken together in a local community and that God laid upon the church the task of proclaiming to the lost world the acceptance of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord so you can see us as we gather, as we submit and come together. Can't you see why it's important for us to keep on meeting? Because it's a testimony to the world that God loves isn't that amazing? All of us, filthy, rotten sinners, coming together and getting along? That's news to the world. The world can't comprehend that. And when they start looking at that, they see the love and mercy of God's grace. How about you? Do you believe you can be a pardoned rebel whom God wants to use to display his glory? Paul's two examples of mutual submission, Jesus Christ and the church. Now we move to husband and wife. I'm sure some of you guys are going, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? We're finally here. Here we go. Paul continues the theme of Christ-like submission in a wife and a husband relationship. This kind of relationship is a reenactment of the gospel story. The husband's actions mimic the loving Selfless act 
Christ-like work towards his wife and the actions represents the church in the same way, allowing Jesus to love her and make her new. Let's take a look at this, Ephesians 5, 22 through 25 and verse 33. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. And then we move on to, at the end there of 33, however, let, let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So we see this theme of a mutual submission that takes place for the wife. We'll start with the wife first. And I want to really uh, make this clear that even though he's kind of focusing on a, uh, a marriage here, this goes out to all of us, uh, single or even students uh, as well, that this is a, a relationship. In a marriage, there's a relationship. There's a submission work that's taken place in starting with the wife. Wives, Christ-like submission by respecting her husband. Wives, submit by respecting as to the Lord. So again, we look at, at Jesus Christ again. What does this look like? How do wives come into this submission? Just the same way that Jesus Christ, he was the perfect model for us. I love this resource, and if you guys have something to write this down, uh, this, this uh, ministry is called the Bible Project. I really encourage you guys to journey through that. It's a great resource for families, for students, and for kids, uh, mom and dad, adults. Um, it's a really creative way to help us to see the whole biblical account of what God is doing from Genesis to Revelations. And they, uh, uh, in their um, in notes, in their, in their commentary, uh, I'm going to read this because I thought this did a really good job of helping us to understand what's happening here. So from the Bible Project, as Christian wife is to respect and allow her husband to be responsible for her, like the relationship of the church to Jesus Christ. So it's really not that complicated, but it's really hard to do, again, because our headwind is because of our bentness and brokenness. And especially in those moments, wives, especially in those moments, is when he's being a jerk to you. He's not so lovable. And you have a few things to say. Or don't say. That's the one that really gets us. So what's going on? Nothing. <laughs> oh, there's something. But look at Jesus Christ and how he submitted and has come under. So I'm going to be vulnerable and share just how this tension works with Lorna and I. And um, what I love about what Lorna has experienced in her relationship with Jesus is that she's always been one to hand me off to God. So when I'm being a jerk, when I'm not valuing her, when I'm not listening to her, when I'm leading in ways that I think I should be leading, I remember going through a period of doing that, I'm the leader. I'm making all these choices, and all of a sudden, I'm just like shutting everything down, you know? I don't listen to her. I don't listen to the kids, and it's just ugly. And, but she surrenders me and gives me to God. And you know the reason why? It's because when God starts dealing with me, he really deals with me. He is the one that can change my heart. 
Lorna can't change my heart. So wives, listen, you can't change your husband, but you can pray for him. And pray that God's glory will shine through and get his attention. Now listen, it might take time. It might take a long time. I went through a period of time. It took a long time. And I was a wreck. Holy Spirit convicted me in ways that I would never even see for myself. But I have to say, wives, listen. It's important to say this, and then we'll move on. If you're in a situation where you need help and you're in danger, please seek out help. Run to the church community. Go to a pastor or go to those that have the experience and the training to help you navigate through some really hard things. There's some really challenges out there. But if your husband's in a place where it's uh, really not that bad, pray for him. Love him. Encourage him. And point him to Jesus Christ because this is what that submission's all about. It's elevating him to the power of God. And letting God do the work through his heart. With gratitude, with obedience, reverence, looking to Jesus Christ, respect, yielding your whole heart. I know it's tough. And the only reason why I know it's tough, I'm not the wife, but I know when I finally come to the reality of what I've done in our relationship. I can only imagine the loneliness and the brokenness that I've created. Giving that back to Jesus Christ. All right, husbands, you're not off the hook, and we're going to end with this. Husbands, Christ-like submission of love to his wife. Manner of living, loving, and sacrifice. Look at 25 through 32. uh, Yeah, 32. We'll just jump around here a little bit. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I'm just going to stop there. Here's another note out of the Bible project I thought was really fitting. Christian husband is to love his wife and use his responsibility to lay down his life and prioritize his wife's well-being above his own. And every time I had that conversation with Lorna in our crazy cycle, uh, many times she would say, uh, you don't get me. And that's where the tension comes, men, husbands, is that we journey along. We're just, we're working. Uh, we start to forget who we are in Christ Jesus. And we start forgetting who our wives are, are in our family. And, and it's just the crazy cycle. Here's a good illustration of what this looks like from an older couple. An elderly man hurried to his 8 a.m. doctor's appointment. He wanted to finish quickly so he can get to another appointment. The doctor asked what it was, and he proudly said that every morning at 9 a.m. at the hospital, he had breakfast with his wife. The doctor asked what her condition was, and he replied that for five years she had had Alzheimer's and hadn't known uh, who he is. The doctor asked why he continued if she has no idea who he is. And the old man replied, because I still know who she is. I'm going to leave that with you, husbands, men, that we'd be like that because that's Jesus. 
when we forget who we are, Jesus always remembers who we are. And in fact, he reminds us of what we are because of what he has done for us. We live in the reality that sin is pervasive, subtle, deceptive, deadly to this husband and wife relationship. Husband and wives, I want to encourage you both to be in community and putting yourselves under others, elevating others up like Christ has done. For without the gospel community, couples are drifting away from each other. We know this. We see divorce around us. So in summary, verses 31 through 32, Paul sums this up. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. The mystery is profound, and I'm saying this refers to Christ the church. And what's beautiful is that this marriage was never meant to be to take two people and say everything's going to be perfect. If anything, marriage exposes who we are. And the purpose of that marriage is absolutely amazing. This is the mystery that two sinful people can come together in one flesh and actually thrive and be something. Wow, that is a mystery that Paul is saying. And therefore, that is the same thing in the gospel that sinners can come into the presence of God and be something and thrive and be his glory. Do you believe in this kind of relationship is the reenactment of the gospel story? Husband and wife, are you resting and believing that Jesus Christ is big enough to handle your imperfect marriage? Because it's not perfect. Two examples of mutual submission. Jesus Christ mutually submits and the church submitting. Husband and wife mutually submitting so that the believer will be uh, so that the non-believer will desire uh, God and who he is. And that's what I love about marriage. Marriage is the gospel for the world to see. So as I close, and I'll have Seth come on up here and kind of prepare us for that, I want to ask you a couple questions. Non-Christian, are you satisfied with elevating yourself over others? Is that satisfying to you? Have you come to the end of that? Your wants, your needs, my life, my desire, nobody's going to get in the way. Are you wrestling with the pesky shame that constantly haunts you from damaged relationships? Because when we are focused on my life, my way, my relationships, I'm going to do what I want, there is destruction along the way. How about the church as a group of pardoned rebels? Are we putting ourselves under others so as to elevate people as more important? Christian, husband and wife, do you believe that Jesus is big enough to take two sinners and transform them to be like him and to show God's glory to the world? Well, now it's time to respond. There's only two ways to respond. You can continue in your rebellion or you can recognize that you need rescuing and believe in Jesus Christ and his submission. Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine 29 says, Come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and, 
and I will give you rest. And take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest. If you're not a believer this morning and you're rebelling against God and Jesus Christ and this great love and mercy, there's rest on the other side. And Christian, listen, there is rest in your imperfect relationships. 